The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot Topics number 79. A prospective research study shows the benefits of longevity and black tea. Drinking at least two cups a day. A study shows that black women are least likely to get laparoscopic fibroid surgeries. What are the reasons? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks, right? So how are you day, today? I can't even talk. How are you? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm fine. I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great, too. You know, I, I always say when it's sunshine, I'm in a good mood. Always. I know. You know, it's starting to get a little Chilly. Yes, it is. Yes, it At is. Night, yeah. I had to have a little jacket last night. It was starting to get a little chilly, and then you know it's been raining and so forth. Yeah. So. So yeah. It's that time. You know, we'll look and talk about it, and the next thing you know, it's a new year. <laughs> it is. I mean, it'll be January up in here. I mean, the kids have gone to school. I remember us talking about May. We were in May, and you know, June was getting ready to pop up. I was getting ready to go on my trip to Italy and that and the other. That's over with. It's over. It's over. And we're back now. The school has started for these kids. Yes, it has. Yes, yes. So we are here. You know, we, we took a here. we took a little bit break, but we're we're. Back we to did. we are back to hunker down, right? <laughs> we are back, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, this is episode two thirty nine, and today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new. Hot topics number seventy nine. Now you guys know how I enjoy hot tea, and I always talk about the benefits of green tea. Well, a prospective uh, research study shows the benefits of longevity in black tea and drinking at least two cups a day. And so we're going to talk about that today uh, as well. Another study, another study has shown that black women are least likely. To get the laparoscopic um, fibroid surgeries, you know, there's a lot of things that go on, you know, and it might not be why you think that black women are least likely. And so we going to yep. talk about that yep. <laughs> big Definitely. time, right? And so we will talk about these articles and much more on this episode. And of course, our co-host, Dr. D. Banks, will give us the latest on what's happening with monkey pox. I said money pox. Ooh, wouldn't it be nice to have some (laughs) 
some money pox. <laughs> Don't we wish. I know. Don't we wish. Yeah. So what's happening with the monkey pots and anything else that's out there coming to get us? You know, it's always something coming to get us, right? Oh, yeah. Something <laughs> to keep me in business. That's it. That's it. And so me having a job. That's right. So stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Now, make sure make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in guests and we talk about things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we don't just talk about physical health. We talk about other things. We talk about the things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. And so we believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure, make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today and last but not least go on apple podcast and give us a five star rating and review make sure you review this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners and we appreciate you and as always what do we say d thank you thank you thank you for your support thank you thank you thank you for your support well, D, like we said, it's officially back to school and it's moving fast, fast and furious towards fall. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody put on Facebook how many days it is till Christmas. I mean, it's depressing. Yes, I and, know. And you know, you go into the, go I mean, you go into like the drugstore now, they have Halloween stuff up. That'll be up for about two days and then it'll be Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Trust and believe Christmas will be up in about three weeks. You best better believe it. Yeah, and then I have to decide, because I got out of sabbatical last Christmas and put decorations, but I don't know. I might be feeling another, uh, I don't know. I might be on sabbatical. Did you put up a lot of trees last year? Yes, I did. I went gung-ho because I had been on sabbatical for about three years. (laughs) 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 I might get back to it. I don't know, (laughs) because... Decorations, that's a lot of that's a lot of energy, don't you think? Last year, how many trees did I put up? Well, I put up a ooh, let's see, one, two, three, four, wasn't it about four trees? Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I don't know if I want to go all out this year. That's a lot of work. Then you had to take them down. That's it. You have to take <laughs> them down. That's that's the beast right there, taking that stuff that's down. The beast. I know, because you got to put them in all those boxes and this and that. Oh, yeah. it's uh, Yeah, no. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I might do that this year. We'll see closer to know. the time. We'll see closer to the time, you know. I may be more low-key myself, too, because I spent a lot of money this summer just trying to get my yard together and mm-hmm. do a few little renovations and stuff like that. So, I'm going to be on, as I say, a big-time austerity program. <laughs> trying to save some money. Big-time austerity program. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. But I all in come down to your house with some spinach seeds. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we definitely have yeah. that, and then we have beans yeah. and rice. You know, if if oh, we had yeah, to get it. 
Most deaf, yes, absolutely. Most deaf. But yeah, you know, like I said, the fall, I really kind of like fall though, because yeah, it is a little bit cooler, but I just love the colors. I like the colors of the trees. Don't you like that? I do too. Uh-huh. I do too. Yeah, and I it's it, what it used to be called Indian summer, but like I was asking, you know, I don't know, is that politically correct to say now Indian I, summer? You know what? Right. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because now right. we we got to be so careful on what we say. You got to be very politically correct. There are a lot of things you cannot say. That's right. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, whatever. I am trying to, like you said, I'm trying to hurry up and, and get it popping because we only have a few months before it's the end yeah. of this year. Yeah. Yeah. A, a few months. You know, I'm trying to get, I'm working on my taxes because I got a file I in know. October. Me too. You know, and then I got to deal with all that, collecting up all of that. That's. That's, That's a, a mess. Of headaches and butterflies in your stomach. Ain't yeah. it? Ain't it crazy? Yep. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we'll be joining you on that one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <Definitely. laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I can't wait to hear about your vacay. You took a vacay. What oh, you do? I took a vacay. Yeah. So went drove from Youngstown to Toronto. Okay. Toronto to Montreal, Montreal to Quebec, okay. Quebec to Bangor, Maine, then Bar Harbor, then Cape Cod, Provincetown, which is all the way at the end of the Cape, and then back to Martha's Vineyard, okay. and then finished it off in New York by seeing Serena Williams last Wednesday. Yes, yes. Play the last, play the last match where she won, and... Um, it was really good. I can't even remember the name. You know, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. When people were saying about Serena One, I felt kind of sorry for the girl because nobody will ever remember that girl's name that beat Serena, sadly. I mean, it'll go down in the history book that she beat Serena, but there was, and, and the girl, you know what, and I, as I said on Facebook, the mm-hmm. girl gave a very, young lady gave a very gracious speech. Yes. About how Serena was her role model. What was it? Tomjanovic or something like that. Tomjanovic. Like yeah. yeah. Right. Something like that. And she was very gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, she could not really relish in her own win because that crowd in that Arthur Ashe Stadium was going wild. Going and, wild. Uh, and we'll talk about it a little out. bit more about how many yeah. folks were well, there we and everything. About, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, you definitely. were there, so you were you were able to experience the moment. There. I was, yeah. The first yeah. one where she won, the second round, right? She did, and then she lost. Then yeah. she lost the third yeah. round, yeah, yeah. And then she lost the third round, <sighs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I yes. know. I know. Did it bring you back to the days of your girls playing tennis? Oh, girls? yes. Didn't they play doubles? Didn't they played doubles play and doubles? singles, yep. Yep, they will always play doubles. Mm-hmm. I was watching the doubles. I, I love doubles because it's so fast. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I hadn't seen doubles for a long time. I watched the mm-hmm. Williams girls play uh, mm-hmm. doubles as well. Yeah. And they said they hadn't played in about four years. So together. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I know. So we all look. We all getting older. You know what I'm saying? You can't outrun your age. No, you can't. You love to, but you just cannot outrun your age. So you just have to uh, embrace it and and experience it. it. That's it. That's it. But yeah, so that sounds like you had a great time. I'm glad you back. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. (laughs) Made it back. The weather was good. Thank 
God, because, you know, considering that we drove, I mean, so many things could have happened. You know, there are a lot of crazies out on the street today. Oh, big time. You know, and driving in Canada where you're in a, a, not the United States, anything can happen. You know, all I kept thinking about was, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do anything wrong, so I'll be like, unfortunately, our dear Brittany Griner. You know, you got to be careful, because when we were going through customs, you know, they were asking, well, do you have this? Do you have that? And we, people in front of us, they were opening up their trunks. And even though you don't have anything, you're just nervous. Is there I anything know. that they could possibly, you know, is there anything that could possibly get me on or something like that? You know what I mean? Oh, I know. So, yeah, it's just, but then, you know, again, it's, as I always say, no matter where I go, I always love coming back to the United States. I know. There's no place like home. That's it. That's it. Nope. I'm glad that you are back and yeah. you you yeah. have great stories yeah. to tell and all that good yeah. stuff. Yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, what is going on this week? Yes. Everything. I mean, really everything from A to Z. From A to Z. And like we said, you know, we were talking about that Serena Williams and and her playing professional tennis. It was packed. But I thought it was interesting because it was saying that the final match at the U.S. Open, um, likely to be her last career, shuttered an ESPN record last week. They said that. It was over for when she did the match against Australia's, uh, I think it's Tanjanovic. I couldn't pronounce it, Tanjanovic or something Something like that. that. On Friday in round three of the U.S. Open, marked the most watched tennis match ever on ESPN, according to the athletics, um, Daniel Kaplan. It was a a slugfest. Yeah. It was an absolute it said the match drew 4.6 million viewers and peaked at 6.9 million. Yep. Isn't that something? And I mean, I, you know, but I remember the days when Serena would come on there mm-hmm. and bam, bam, they would be over in an hour. Big time. <laughs> you know, it'd be over in an hour. And then next. Next. I know. But, you know, she, but at 40 some years old, I don't remember how old Serena, I think she's going to be 41. Yes. It was a slug fair. Yes. And so, yeah, almost certainly marked the end, but it was, yeah, it was a battle. You know, seven, yeah. five, six, yeah. seven, seven, yeah. four, then yeah. six, it one. Yeah. So yeah. it was pretty good. Yeah. And and both yeah. of them played good. some high level tennis. I mean, you I were. Did. You were on you your gotta feet. You got to give it to him. Yes. You got to give it to him. I mean, whatever whatever Serena gave, she gave back. And the girl was 20-some years younger. I know. So That's cu- the thing. Kudos to Serena. That's what I say. Kudos to Serena. Yeah. And, and so she has accomplishment. What what really what really surprised me was when they were talking about the 14 titles that she and her sister for the doubles I was like, wow, it was that many? I didn't realize that there were that many either. And I forgot she won in the Olympics, too. Uh-huh. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I forgot that, too. Yeah, yeah she 14. Had, she a, lot, a major accomplishment. Yeah. Major accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but guess what? Oh, yeah. That was going up. Man, I've been in the two watching this tennis all. Ooh, it's, it's, <laughs> been, it's been exciting. Cause it has. Because did yes. you watch the TFO and um, um, Raphael? Yeah, Raphael Nadal. Did, you know, mm-hmm. I was, uh, so he's from Sierra Leone. I thought about our friend. Mm-hmm. Soko, uh, from Soko. Sierra Leone. 
Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and T- Francis Tiafoe's mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. was blurry from mm-hmm. the tears. He was thrilled, overwhelmed, even when the last point was over. And it hit him that, yes, he had ended <laughs> Rafa, Rafael Nadal's 22-match Grand Slam winning streak on Monday and reached the U.S. Open quarterfinals for the first time. I felt like the world stopped, Tiafo said. I couldn't hear anything for a minute. What meant the most to Tiafo about his 6'4", 6'4", 6'3", victory over number two seed Nadal in the fourth round at Flushing Meadows, though, were, was looking up into the Arthur Ashe Stadium guest box and knowing his parents, Constant and Elfina, were there. They're from Sierra Leone. Yeah, because for some reason, I always thought they were from Ghana, but when I said, when I they said. I thought they were from Haiti. Oh, yeah, did you? Okay, I okay. I thought they were from Haiti. Yes. Reason, but no, Sierra Leone. Yeah, I know. And he mm. said, to see them experience me beat Rafa Nadal, they've seen me have big wins, but to beat those Mount Rushmore guys, mm. said Tiafo, a 22-seated American, for them, I can't imagine what was going through their heads. I mean, they're going to remember today for the rest of their lives. His parents immigrated mm-hmm. to the United States from Sierra Leone in West Africa amid civil war in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. They ended up in Maryland where Constant helped construct a tennis training center for juniors, then became a maintenance man there. Mm-hmm. Alfina, Tiafo said, was a nurse working two jobs, working overtime through the night. Tiafo and his twin brother, Franklin, were born in 1998 and soon would be spending hour upon that hour where Dad's job was rackets in hand. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day went the dream. A college scholarship would come of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything supposed to be like this, Francis Tiafo said Monday evening, hours after by far his biggest victory. Isn't so that I something? was screaming. I know. I, I mean, and I was, and you know, Nadal mm-hmm. just didn't look like he was having his best day. No. I mean, you know, like we looked at Tomolovich, young lady, and uh-huh. Serena. Uh-huh. They were both evenly matched, they were yes. focused. And, Slugging back and forth. Yes. It just didn't seem like Nadal had his mojo. No, no. Yeah, he seemed like he you was a know, little bit off. A little bit off, yeah. He seemed a little bit off. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, whatever. A win is a win no matter how you get it. And uh-huh. the win over Rafa Nadal is major. That'll go down in history. I was so hoping in the little um, Coco <clears throat> Golf loses last night. Oh, yeah, she did lose. I was lose. truly hoping that it would be a TFO Mm-hmm. And golf singles mm-hmm. win for the U.S. Open. Wouldn't that have been special? That would have been very special. So they play now. They were playing now at one or whatever. So I'm just going to be very interested. We, we probably can Google that while we do the show to figure out right. if exactly. Tiafa won, if he won. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've got the, uh, I have the app on my, uh, that's right. Does he play at one o'clock today? Yeah, he played. So I don't know. If, oh. if if it was rain that made them late or whatever, if actually mm. did it, you know. While we're talking and going over our articles, I'll pull up my app. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yes. And see what what they're they're saying. Yeah. Um, singles has they have not started to play yet. Okay. Right now it's the women's singles. If they're getting ready to come up. Okay. Sabalinka good. Yes. One for the women. And next is Rublev and Tiafo. Yes. So, yeah. That's going to yeah. be it. Okay, yeah. good, good. I've been all in my yeah. tennis this year. I'm like, Ooh. I know. I knew. I was thinking of you. I was thinking of you. I definitely was. And then Nat- Natalie was calling me. She's like, hey, look, we watch it. Yeah, it was something. We were watching. We were, Ooh. I know. Ooh. 
I was ooh. thinking all about you because I know that you went on those tr- tennis circuits with the girls. Oh, for big a long time. time for for yeah. Yeah. Forever, yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. But then we we back yeah. to we back to reality with oh, flooding. Back to reality with flooding. I mean, mm-hmm. where where would it happen mm-hmm. at a major capital in the United States? So here's living in a city with no water, the capital now. I know this is unbearable. What stood out this week was the calm. I believe Jackson is the capital. I'll have to double check. Jackson, Mississippi. What stood out this week was the calm. Mm -hmm. The streets were quiet and residents queued expectantly for resources. The entire city of more than 150,000 was without safe drinking water with no end in sight. Mm -hmm. Many residents here say they adapted long ago to catastrophic government failure. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Jackson's water has been messed up. Mm. I don't even feel like they should be issuing people bills. Exactly. Rashonda Snell, 32, who worked at a local hotel, is infected. And you can't even do anything. You can't do nothing with it. Isn't that correct? Snell is a beneficiary of the Federal Supplemental Nutritional Nutrition Assistance Program and says she has been using most of the money she receives from it to buy water for her family for a while. I spend about $200 on bottled water every month. That's mainly what I use. That's mainly what I use that money for, to buy five big cases of water for the month, said Snell, a Jackson native. I really want to leave Jackson so bad. Isn't that the crazy? The water system in Jackson, Mississippi, capital, yeah. has been mm-hmm. failing for years. Mm-hmm. In 2021, a harsh winter storm knocked the system out for a month. Even when water is flowing from the taps, residents struggle with intermittent boil water advisories and high bills for water that it's not always completely safe to drink. Mm. This week, in part because of severe floods, the treatment plant failed completely, leaving the city's residents without water to drink, bathe, or even flush their toilets. Dang. I know. Governor Reeves, Tate Reeves, declared Jackson's ongoing water crisis an immediate health threat. You think? You think? Experts say... This crisis was years in the making, a result of inadequate funding for essential infrastructure upgrades. For the past year, leaders of this majority black Democratic-led city have pushed for additional funding from the white Republicans who run the state. Little has come of those appeals. On Thursday, state officials announced that 108 tractor trailers, why is it always after the fact? I know, right? On Thursday... State officials announced that 108 tractor trailers loaded with water were on their way to Jackson for all the residents. Reeves deployed 600 Mississippi National Guard troops to seven water distribution sites across the state capitol. The governor said at least one water treatment pump was expected to be repaired early next week, although it was not clear when water service would be restored. I mean, Vicki, this reminds me of, and I heard the FEMA uh-huh. director, I can't think of her name. Her first name is Deanne, like mine. Okay. She okay. sounded like Brownie. Remember when, yes. when, Katrina, yes. when Bush got up and said, Brownie, you're doing a good job? Yes. What? No. This reminded me of the Katrina situation, and mm-hmm. I said, "Let me not, let me not be putting out false information." I looked up Mississippi. Okay, they're the worst in healthcare. Mm. They're like in the bottom ten percent of education. Mm. They're in the bottom of everything. They're the poorest state in the country. Mm. And how do you let something like this happen? And you know, they've been. They were saying, like I just said, mm-hmm. this isn't. It didn't just like this. Just jiffy popped up. Right. They had 
knew in 2021 there were problems, just like with Katrina. Yes. They knew those levees were going to break, bust, whatever. Yes. And did oh, nothing yeah. about it. People just don't care. They don't care. That's what it is. They don't care. Yeah. And you going, you can't even flush your toilet. I mean, get out of here. Really? Oh, I mean, really? Can you? And, and like I said, Lolly always talks about mm-hmm. the one of the two or three major things with healthcare is clean water. Mm-hmm. You've got to have clean water. That's how diseases and stuff spread. Big time. So, yeah, that's what's happening. You don't you don't hear as much about it now, but it's still going on. Right. They're still trying to get get clean water. It's ridiculous. Still trying to get clean water, drinkable water. Can't even drink the water. I know. So, yeah. So we'll keep an eye. I know we'll keep an eye on that one. Huh? And, you know, the thing that's so sad about it is that. Uh huh. And we know we're not a political show, but Uh you'll have people that will vote for people that are against their, their own interests. You know what I mean? You'll get people that'll vote for people that don't bit more care about the people that are voting for them because they're, they don't have drinking water either. I know, but, but I don't, that's the part I, I have never gotten. I don't get it. I don't uh-uh. get it. You're voting for somebody and you don't have drinking water yourself. I know. I don't get it, but I don't get oh, it well, that will oh, be, well. that will be the, the billion dollar question answer. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> No lie. No lie. Yeah. That happens yeah. all the time. Well, yeah. here we are, right? <laughs> yeah, here we are. Right again. Well, Dee, what's the latest? You always give us some latest. Well, just, yeah, two two quick things. Number one, the new uh, bivalent booster is out, was approved last week by the FDA and the CDC, and should be in the drugstores this week. And mm-hmm. what it is, it's a combination of the Omicron variant, but also the two sub-variants that were associated with Omicron that we're seeing now predominantly in the United States that are extremely contagious. I mean, everybody's almost known somebody who's known somebody who's gotten COVID now, and that's probably due to B4 and B5. So this bivalent vaccine will be available, and it's not for everybody. I mean, they're not telling everybody to run out and get the vaccine. Most are just telling right now. Mm-hmm people that are over 65 with underlying conditions, high blood pressure, heart disease, chronic obstructive lung disease, and people that are immunocompromised, you know, on chemotherapy or mm-hmm. on some of those drugs like for psoriatic arthritis or some of those, you know, arthritic medications and stuff like that. So, like I said, it's not for everybody. Um, and also what I said on television last week, more importantly, the flu shots are out. So now it's time to get your flu shot as well. And then the second thing was there was a big study that came out last week that showed that life expectancy in the United States has gone down. Mm. And when you tease out the data, Mm -hmm. when you tease out the data, yet again, it's African-American men and women and Native American men and women. So there you have it. Wow. Once again. Once again. Once again. So, wow. Yeah. Well, thanks, so, yeah. D. There we go. And you here are we welcome. are. welcome. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And here we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, folks, make sure you get your flu shot because it's that time again. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, it's, they're in the stores now. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's that time. Wow. All right. Well, thanks, D. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second 
and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at to find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics, hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 79. And so our first one I'm going to talk about is called Bottoms Up on Black. I knew you would like that. (laughs) Bottoms Up on Black Tea for a Long Life. This was written and found in MedPage Today. And it's a prospective study found modest mortality benefit to drinking two plus cups per day. And so it says a few cups of tea a day may stave off an early death. A UK biobank prospective cohort study showed among nearly half a million middle-aged adults, those who consume two or more cups of tea a day saw a modest but lower risk for all-cause mortality over a medium 11.2-year follow-up reported Mekai Anu Choi of the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland, and colleagues in the annals of internal medicine. While those who only drank one or fewer cups per day didn't see this protective benefit, and because it has a CI of 95%, okay, so it didn't, they didn't see this protective benefit. Moderate and heavy drinkers, however, did see a significantly lower mortality risk. And so we have the CI, mm-hmm. yeah, confidence interval, and that shows that it is significant. So two to three cups per day, you got four to five cups a day, and six to seven cups a day. So the more that the more that they drink, it showed that they had lower, significantly lower mortality risk. Eight to nine cups, ten or more cups. Almost 90% drank black tea, making black tea the predominant tea type in this population. Ian Choi pointed out during a press conference, she added that most previous research quantifying the benefits of tea drinking have focused on green, not black tea. These results suggest that black tea, even at higher levels of intake, can be part of a healthy diet, she said. While these findings offer uh, reassurance to tea drinkers, 
They do not indicate that people should start drinking tea or change their tea consumption for health benefits. Iron Choice Group also found that drinking tea was linked with a lower risk for cardiovascular-specific causes of death. In fully adjusted models for social demographic and lifestyle factors, drinking more than two cups of tea per day was associated with a 14% to 24% lower risk for death from all cardiovascular diseases, with the heaviest tea drinkers seeing the most uh, risk reductions. Likewise, consuming two to three cups per day was linked with a 17% lower risk for death due to ischemic heart disease, although those who drink anywhere from four to seven cups on average didn't see a significant risk reduction. However, drinking eight or more cups on average was associated with a 26% lower risk for ischemic heart disease-related mortality. As for stroke-related deaths, only those who drank 10 or more cups per day saw a significant risk reduction. Drinking an average of two to three cups of tea per day was also linked with a, a modestly reduced risk for respiratory disease-related death and cancer-related death. Ian Choi added that these associations were seen regardless of tea temperature and whether people took their tea black or if they added milk and or sugar. The associations mm -hmm. were, were, I know, were also adjusted for genetic variations in caffeine metabolism. Tea is very rich in bioactive compounds such as polyphenols, she said. She told MedPage today, these compounds have the potential to decrease oxidative stress and inflammation so these mechanisms can protect against cancer, cardiovascular disease, and other health conditions. For this analysis, the researchers assessed data on 498,043 men and women from the UK Biobank, ranging in ages from 40 to 69, who completed the baseline touchscreen questionnaire from 2006 to uh, 2010. More than 90% of the respondents were white. Of this cohort, 85% said they consumed tea daily, with 11.5% drinking one cup or less, 29.4% drinking two to three cups, 25.5% drinking four to five cups, 11.8% drinking six to seven cups, 3.7% drinking eight to nine cups, and 3.4% drinking 10 or more cups. Men were a bit more likely to be the heaviest tea drinkers. I thought that was interesting. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Those drinking yeah. 10 or more cups of tea per day were also most likely to be current smokers. Mm. Although the associations were assessed carefully and comprehensively, these results need to be replicated in future studies and extended in other diverse populations. Ian Choi suggested. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, that study was very interesting about black tea. So, very interesting. So basically, um, drinking green tea and or black tea will have 
health benefits. Yeah, you know, I haven't been drinking it warm, but I know when I go up to get my unsweetened tea up at iced tea up at uh, Starbucks, they give you a choice between, I think they give you a choice between green tea, black tea, and passion tea. Okay, okay. So I've been doing the black tea. Okay. So that's good to know. But then this article say it didn't matter whether it was hot or cold. Yes. Or whether you add milk or sugar. I guess milk or sugar. Or whether you add milk or sugar, exactly. I guess that's just for... Because, of course, they did that because the Brits... That's uh, it. The Brits drink their tea with milk and and sugar. Yes, they do. Yeah. And that study was done in the UK, so that was why it was important to bring that out, because that's how they drink their tea. Exactly. You know, you and I know. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah, I thought that was very interesting that men drink more tea yeah i was i found that surprising too that's very interesting mm-hmm. very interesting so yeah, oh, yeah but that we we have to say yes that is in the uk it'll be nice to see what those stats right. will be here and have a few more demographics yes with more diversity of people that you know they looked at because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i know you know, in the UK, my friend who's from Ghana, she drinks a lot of tea. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what that population, the population persons of color, mm-hmm. would do to those statistics as well. Too. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But by and large, it's very interesting. So I'm going to continue drinking yeah. my tea. I'm gonna continue. I know, I know you are, and I'm going to continue to go up and get mine at Starbucks. Not that we're trying to push Starbucks or anything else, but try to get that, that black tea or green black tea. I love black tea. Though. Yes, yes. Well, our next article you gonna do and it's talk about black women less likely to get laparoscopic fibroid surgeries written by health day news this is this is just another one of those healthcare disparity kind of things Mm -hmm. and um you know i've kind of known about this situation for some time uh we were talking about it earlier but this is a study black women less likely to get laparoscopic fibroid surgery surgery for uterine fibroids can often be done through minimally invasive techniques that avoid a hospital state but black and hispanic women may be less likely to receive these treatments a study recent study finds uterine fibroids are non-cancerous growths in the uterus sometimes they cause no problems but when they do likely heavy monthly bleeding and pain treatment is necessary. One option is a myomectomy, which removes just the fibroids, or hysterectomy, which removes the the uterus. Either surgery can often be done in a minimally invasive way, vaginally or through a small incision in the abdomen. Yet, in the new study, researchers found that black and Hispanic women often did not receive those less extensive procedures. Instead, getting traditional surgery, with large abdominal incision and a hospital stay. Mm. The reasons are not completely clear. Uh, okay. Mm. The reasons are not completely clear, the researchers said. But the investigators did find that black and Hispanic women were less likely than white women to see a doctor who specialized mm-hmm. in minimally invasive techniques. Because sometimes they may not be referred to somebody who specializes. I mean, these minimally invasive techniques are sort of a subspecialty under OBGYN. Okay. So uterine fibroids are very common, but especially so among black women, said researcher Dr. Rebecca Schneier, an OBGYN doctor at Cedars-Sinai in Los Angeles, really good hospital. Mm -hmm. Studies show that about 80% of black women will have uterine fibroids by the age of 50, as well 70% of white women. But black, black women typically develop them sooner. 
by some estimates, one quarter of black women have fibroids by the age of 30. And it can also impair, Vicki, your ability to conceive. Mm-hmm. So they are also more prone to having numerous or large fibroids, suffering more intense symptoms, and more often undergo surgery compared to white women. That's all the more reason we should be trying to reduce disparities in care, Shania said. Mm-hmm. Traditional abdominal surgery for fibroids is generally safe, but it causes more pain and blood loss and has a long recovery time than minimally invasive procedures. For the new study recently published in the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecology, Snyder's team examined records of 1,300 women who had surgery for uterine fibroids at Cedars-Sinai in recent years. Most had a minimally invasive myomectomy or hysterectomy, but there were substantial racial gaps. Among white women, 81% underwent minimally invasive procedures versus 57% of black women and 65% of Mm. Hispanic women. Asian women rate comparable to white women. Naya said there are times when traditional surgery is the better option, depending on the number or size of the fibroids and the size of the uterus. Mm -hmm. Those factors did not explain the disparities in surgery type the study found. Instead... Black and Hispanic women were less likely than white women to see a doctor, my point exactly, mm-hmm. who specialized in minimally invasive techniques. They often saw an OBGYN without that subspecialty training. Mm-hmm. Why is unclear, since all patients were treated at the same medical center and nearly all had private insurance. It's possible, Schneier said, the doctors whom black and Hispanic women initially saw were less likely to refer them to subspecialists, perhaps due to, yet again, implicit biases. Mm-hmm. But she suspects that disparities in awareness might play a bigger role. White women may be more likely to know about these minimally invasive options or seek a second opinion. Dr. Shai Chun Her specializes in minimally invasive gynecological surgery at NYU Langone Hospital in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. She said that in her experience, some patients with uterine fibroids are indeed more likely to doctor shop and seek second and third opinions, while others accept the initial option presented to them. The onus should be on the doctors, both mm-hmm. Schneier and her said, mm-hmm. to explain all these treatment options. It's also important, they said, for primary care doctors and general OBGYNs, the ones who refer women to subspecialists, to be aware that minimally invasive procedures can often be done even when there are numerous fibroids or the uterus is enlarged. Like the PCP is ignorant, they don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot has changed in the past 20 years, Schneier said. More often than not, minimally invasive surgery is an option. For women who have traditional surgery recommended, her said, seeking a second opinion, it's always a good idea, but they should try, if possible, to get that opinion from a specialist mm-hmm. in minimally invasive techniques. Schneier also stressed that non-surgical options are available, including medications that control bleeding caused by fibroids. Any treatment, her said, needs to be individualized based not on symptoms, but a woman's age and, like I said, pregnancy plan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fibroids affect fertility, like I said. Mm-hmm. She noted some Young women might consider having the growth removed even if they are not causing symptoms. That may be especially important, her said, for black women as they are at greater risk of developing numerous fibroids at an early young age. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend in Cleveland mm-hmm. 
who was trying to conceive had miscarriage. I'm not sure whether she had one or two, but anyway, she ended up having this myomectomy, which is a surgical procedure, mm -hmm. and ended up having two back-to-back -back daughters. Oh, that's and nice. so these mm -hmm. procedures can work. Yes, mm -hmm. they do work. And now, as I was querying another friend of mine at the Cleveland Clinic who does minimally invasive surgery, there are a lot of non-surgical options now. So, new days. I know. You know, I think part of the problem is, like with PrEP, which we've talked about many times, mm -hmm. if the PCP doesn't know, how can you refer your patient to a minimally invasive surgeon when you don't even know that these procedures exist? So, you know, the onus is on everybody to get better educated, more educated about these. But uh, hopefully we'll hear more about these if we can have our, one of my colleagues, our colleagues, yes. come on and talk about health care disparities in women. Because, yes. you know, it's coming up on October. Yes, and, and it's that time. we're talking about breast cancer and, and women's uh, issues and so forth. So, yeah, that was a great article. Yes, it was a great article. I suffered from um, fibroids, but I was lucky to have people that were, that were great. They were women. Oh, wow. I always went to women oh, wow. physicians. Now, why did I okay. do that? Because most of the women, they understand because they're women. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I always went to, exactly. to, to, to women. Still go to women. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Because if, yep. if I say, oh, I'm experiencing this, they probably kind of know. Because they, they, they do. <laughs> I think no question. Yeah. I say no question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Yeah. So, once again. Healthcare disparities. Healthcare disparities. There it is. Ugly head yet again. Yet again. Oh, yeah. So, did you want to do, again. since we talked about health disparities, sure. did you want to do the next sure. one? Because it's talking about behavioral uh -huh. health and the ex and disparities. Yeah. 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 Yet again. Mm-hmm. Yet again. New behavioral health. Health database reveals gaps in care, mm -hmm. you think? Yeah. Researchers behind it hope to provide the data needed to remedy the problem. Mm -hmm. So wedged between Oklahoma and New Mexico sits an almost perfect grid of 26 counties in the Texas panhandle. Mm -hmm. In the entire 25,887-square-mile expanse, only two counties have a psychiatrist or an addiction specialist. For the first time ever, policymakers, healthcare associations, educators, and researchers have a reliable way to see this kind of behavioral health information. A team of researchers from the Fitzhugh Mullen Institute for Health, uh, for health Workforce Equity at George Washington University created a data mapping tool that's been badly needed for years. Mm -hmm. The first comprehensive national database on the behavioral health workforce. People using the Behavioral Health Workforce Tracker can get a richer understanding of where there are gaps in care. Cleese Erickson, the MPAFF, the principal investigator for the project, told MedPage today. This is a new lens for being able to understand the workforce in the community and then how you compare to others. Mm -hmm. The database includes about 1.2 million behavioral health providers, some 600,000 psychiatrists, addiction medicine specialists, psychologists, counselors, and therapists, as well as 400,000 primary care physicians and advanced practice providers who provide, who prescribe medication for mental health, a map that can be viewed at state and county level lists, the population per provider of a given area by the kind of provider, and the ratio changes when selecting just the psychologist 
or primary care physician. Colorado, one of the richest places in mental health providers, has one provider for every 164 people. For example, while the states with the lowest supply of psychiatrists and addiction specialists includes Idaho, 106 per 14,789, Wyoming, 43 per 13,100. Here we go. Mississippi. There it is. 234 per 12,684. Montana, 91 per 10,874. And Nevada, 252 per 10,716. Researchers used retail prescription data Mm -hmm. from the IQVIA exponent accounting for 92% of retail prescriptions from physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and addiction specialists who prescribe 11 or more behavioral health medications, including for medication-assisted treatment in 2020. To account for other behavioral health practitioners who don't write prescriptions, they use state licensure data for licensed psychiatrists, for licensed psychologists, Mm -hmm. clinical social workers, professional counselors, and marriage and family therapists. They then standardize the data across the states and link it to the addresses. Where state licensure data or addresses were insufficient, they used data from CMSs, that's Medicare's National Plan and Provider Enumeration System, to fill in the gap. Though many therapists are not registered there, they noted, the gap it reveals are stark. Mm Half of the counties in the United States, like in Texas, Panhandle, had neither a psychiatrist nor an addiction specialist as of 2020. The total volume of prescriptions for mental health medications written by primary health by primary care providers, 224 million, far outweighed the total for behavioral health specialists that year, 83.5 million, revealing a widespread dependence on generalists for behavioral health care who may not be as well educated about something so specialized. Definitely. Furthermore, states with the highest drug overdose rate aren't the ones with the highest proportion of providers who can prescribe opioid addiction medication. Mm. The reason for these behavioral health inequities are many. Rural areas tend to have shortages of health care professionals. In general, in general, mm-hmm. medical schools and teaching hospitals are concentrated in urban areas. Mm-hmm. Structural racism, including redlining and its general ripple effect, perpetuates persistent mental health workforce inequities. Though this new tool suggests a mental health crisis of enormous proportion, it may also provide the baseline information needed to begin to remedy it. Erickson said she hopes the tool can reach state policy leaders who can then begin to look and understand where they want to invest their resources to build a workforce in their community and then to give them a a more nuanced picture of how to make those investments. For example, she said, in areas where primary care physicians take on a heavy behavioral health burden, felt state leaders could focus on how they could better support and train them. In other areas lacking providers, they could build up telehealth infrastructure, exactly, Mm -hmm. to really make sure the patients with mental health needs are able to access care in a timely fashion. Erickson is hoping to keep the database up and running the team is planning to update it with 2021 data. After that, they'll have to find more funding to continue. For now, There are no real competitors, as Erickson noted. It just hasn't existed before. So there you have 
That's you know, it. All the things, like when I was on television talking about this healthcare disparity thing with, I mean, this disparity in terms of um, life expectancy, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. have to go back to what, uh, and, and a lot of it was caused by 50% of the life expectancy down, decline was COVID. Mm-hmm. And like what, what Anthony Fauci said back early on in the pandemic, mm-hmm. COVID ripped off a scab to show the health inequities in this country. And here we are. This article that I just read mm-hmm. is 2022. Mm-hmm. So here we are two years down the road. We know the problem, but we can't fix it. And talking about putting funding in, the problem is you have all these fights in Congress and fights among the policymakers. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pontificating. Right. As I say, all hat and no cattle. As I say, a lot of shit talking and nothing done. <laughs> Nothing done. Just talking so shit like and doing you nothing. Got data, you got all these people with all these calculators calculating up the band. It's like that that mime <laughs> or meme on Facebook where you got that little money t- monkey typing, 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 yes, typing, yeah. typing, 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 <laughs> collecting all that data, typing, typing, typing. Okay, you present the data, but not a doggone thing is done with it. I know the problem. That's it. You can't fix it. Yes. Oh, yeah. We need to do. Very good. We need to do instead of just talking. Yes, yes. Just just talking heads. Just talking heads. That's it. And so let's do something. That's it. Need to do something. Exactly. So we're back to square one, as we we say. Health disparities. So it's real. It's not not just talking. It's real. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. D, that's our show. Do you have some tips, though, that we should think about? Well, it was good. I mean, if we go down the line of, of, uh, first of all, get your flu shot. We're going to be saying Mm -hmm. that on our show coming up many times. Get Mm -hmm. your flu shot. Black tea for a long life. I like that. That's it. It seems like more men than women, but it doesn't have to be necessarily hot or cold, and it doesn't matter whether you have it with milk or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was good. And then again, black women, another health care disparity issue, less likely to get laparoscopic uh, fibroid surgeries. And, you know, it just goes to show that, Mm -hmm. again, part onus, onus needs to be on the physicians, that the physicians aren't, like with PrEP, that they're not telling patients about it and sending them to infectious disease people. And you got somebody that's going to be infected with HIV, which never should happen. So here you have black women who have fibroids, who could be having minimally invasive surgeries, but yet many of them, these young women, I've seen it so many times, end up having a hysterectomy. I know. Unnecessary. 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 Mm -hmm. And they get talked into it. Yeah, and anything, and anything, any surgery or whatever you have, that within itself has complications too sometimes for folks. So you got got all this happening. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, again, healthcare gap data uh, with, with behavioral health. Mm-hmm. And this database just showed that a lot of the onus is on these primary care physicians. A lot of them are not qualified and, and, and capable, really, of addressing a lot of these mental health needs. And yet again, it's another one of those things, lack of mental health resources in these small towns, small counties, a lot of these states that already mm-hmm. don't have infrastructure. Look, we just talked about Mississippi. Yes. And Mississippi is one of the states that I just mentioned with this behavioral health thing. So we mm-hmm. just got a lot of work to do. Yes, we do. And it's, it's very interesting how that when they don't have the specialists, the primary care, they give more drugs. They prescribe more they just give drugs. They Don't just they? write prescriptions. Yeah, they just right. write prescriptions just write instead of 
instead of doing the whole behavioral health, the therapy, right. the cognitive, right. yeah, the speaking, the counseling, exactly. yeah. I thought All that was interesting. Time. It's too easy to mm -hmm. sit down and write a prescription right. to somebody and send them on their way. It's too easy to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, we we digging up a lot of stuff today, huh? I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. but those are the kinds exactly. of things that we do here on our show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky exactly. Doe Fitness. That's it. And exactly. so we want to make sure people, make sure you go and subscribe so you can be knowing and be in the loop of what's going to be happening down the line. So No question. Yes, and as always... For more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.